And good morning, Matt Salmon. I hope you had a good holiday and Happy New Year and all that. I had a great holiday. It was, it was terrific. Got to be with the family, and you can't beat that. That's the best. All right. Well, here we are. New Year is kicking off, and I'm here sweating it out at the uh, studio, and Mike's off uh, drinking pina coladas somewhere uh, next to the poolside, hopefully in Las Vegas. Hopefully he's winning money this time. Uh, In honor of uh, George Santos, the new uh, congressman-elect from New York, uh, I just wanted to correct uh, a couple things were just said on the news. It was me that uh, invented Apple Computer. Uh, I also, uh, that was before I uh, invented the Internet. Uh, later on, I uh, ended up uh, going to the moon with, no, that was earlier with uh, Neil Armstrong. In fact, I was the first man to land on the moon. I'm kidding, guys. Uh, uh, and unlike uh, Santos, uh, I don't stand behind these comments. This is going to be a momentous day. Uh, today, uh, the U.S. House of Representatives, uh, which is now under Republican tr- control, barely, by four uh, people, uh, is going to be electing a new Speaker of the House, maybe. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Andy Biggs, who is the congressman from Arizona, uh, is putting himself up as a protest candidate against Kevin McCarthy, uh, congressman from uh, uh, California. California, uh, who has been the minority leader. And uh, let's talk just a little bit about that. Also, uh, yesterday, uh, our whole spate of statewide uh, candidates uh, that were elected uh, to office, including the governor, the secretary of state, the attorney general, the superintendent of public instruction, the state mine inspector, and uh, what did I miss? Uh, the the uh, uh, attorney general. Anyway, they uh, were sworn in yesterday. Uh, Katie Hobbs was sworn in as uh, the governor of the state of Arizona, in spite of uh, all of the uh, protest uh, from some uh, in the Republican Party, led by Kerry Lake and and by. Uh, uh, Mark, Mark Fincham and, and by Abe Hamada that have filed lawsuits uh, to try to uh, change the course of that election. Those lawsuits so far have all been fruitless and a colossal waste of time. Uh, Carrie Lake got her two days in court uh, and uh, the judge ended up throwing it out uh, and did put some financial sanctions on her. Uh, not everything that uh, Katie Hobbs had requested, but uh, uh, now we're going Going into a new era. Uh, it has been actually since the 1950s uh, when Harry Truman was president of the United States, uh, since we had two Democrat U.S. senators uh, from Arizona and a Democrat uh, governor of the state of Arizona. Uh, so a lot of things going to change. Uh, and, and the state legislature only controls the state Senate by one vote uh, with 1614 uh, and 31-29 uh, uh, in the House of Representatives. So they have to hold every Republican on every vote uh, if they want to uh, maintain the loyal opposition uh, to the governor. What's going to happen with all this stuff? We're going to talk a little bit about that this on the later parts of the show. Is it going to be completely gridlock and stalled government? Same thing at the federal level. At the federal level, we have uh, Democrat President Joe Biden and Kamala Harris uh, as vice president breaking the tie uh, in the uh, U.S. Senate. 
And uh, we have uh, Chuck Schumer, who is the majority leader in the U.S. Senate. And uh, and and then in the House, uh, we don't know who the speaker is going to be. And I want to talk just a little bit about that, uh, because today uh, the U.S. House will convene and its very, very first order of business is to elect the Speaker of the House. And if you're hoping that the Constitution provides clarity on how the Speaker of the House is elected, then keep on hoping, because it doesn't. There is nothing in the Constitution about how the Speaker is elected. It's typically done just uh, by tradition. And uh, the way the tradition works, and having been a member of the U.S. House of Representatives myself, I can tell you what's going to happen. What what will happen is uh, the Democrat Party will put up uh, a nominee. Uh, they will be nominated uh, by one of the Democrats, uh, and uh, the Republicans will nominate uh, a couple of people. Actually, one will uh, the top nomination is going to be Kevin McCarthy, who has been the minority leader, and some p- folks in the Freedom Caucus. Uh, will be nominating Andy Biggs as a protest vote. Now, as you remember, the way this all works for the election of Speaker in the uh, U.S. House uh, in November after the election, uh, the Republican conference gets together and they have a vote to determine to determine who they're going to nominate a Speaker. Now, that person only needs to win in the vote by a simple majority. Uh, Andy Biggs did put himself up uh, in that uh, process uh, for speaker, and I believe he got 31 votes, and uh, McCarthy got uh, uh, closer to 180, 185 votes, and so it wasn't close, Uh, but... This is going to be very, very nail-biting on the floor today because what happens now is the Republicans will put him up and then every member, there are 435 members of the U.S. House of Representatives. The magic number, if everybody shows up uh, for the person to be nominated speaker is 218 votes. Since the Republicans only have a four-seat majority, the Republicans uh, have 222, and let me see, uh, the the, uh, Democrats have 212. And so, do the math, folks. Uh, In order to get to 218, he cannot lose more than four people. So far, nine people have uh, sent a letter uh, to the would-be speaker saying that they can't vote for him, they won't vote for him on the floor, and they won't vote for him come hell or high water. Let's, let's, uh, to understand how cataclysmic this is, how momentous, how much of a big deal it is, um, let's, uh, let's talk just a little bit about how the speakership uh, in the past has been elected. In 1859, on the eve of the Civil War, the House was so divided it couldn't elect a speaker for weeks as pro-slavery lawmakers paralyzed the chamber by tanking the nominations of the abolitionists. In 1923, the last time, almost 100 years ago, well, actually, since this is 2023, 100 years ago, uh, the uh, House held nine votes for Speaker over three days because the House Republicans Minority Progressive Caucus refused to back the incumbent Republican Speaker in 
until he uh, in- agreed to concede to certain demands, including a seat for the caucus on the House Rules Committee. It was the last time, the very last time, that multiple roll calls were necessary uh, to uh, elect a speaker. Um, that's what's going to happen today. As I mentioned, um, 435 members of the House uh, will be in uh, the House today. The uh, clerk of the House will call a roll call vote. And as they go around, uh, each person is allowed to uh, mention, uh, you know, the person that they're voting for for speaker. Interestingly enough, when I was in uh, Congress before, uh, the Democrats put up Nancy Pelosi for speaker. And one of the people who actually voted against her and and voted uh, uh, for another member was Kirsten Sinema. And so it's not just a Republican thing. Uh, she couldn't bring herself to vote for Nancy Pelosi. And so she uh, ended up uh, uh, voting for another member. And uh, uh, today uh, you're going to see that happen all over again. And what will probably happen unless lightning strikes is that um, Kevin McCarthy will not get the 218 votes on the first uh, round of votes, and it's going to force everybody back to the table again. Why, why, why is this happening? Well, I can tell you that in the last 20 years, uh, one of the things that's really gone away from Congress is a thing called regular order. Uh, regular order. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm out of time right now, but there's so much more to discuss about this. And so I'm going to carry it over a little bit into our next segment. And I'm going to talk to you about what some of the grievances are of uh, members and why they're not willing uh, to vote uh, for that uh, person, which is Kevin McCarthy running for Speaker of the House. And we'll talk just a little bit more about that and talk about what's likely to expect. But I uh, hope you'll stick with us for the next segment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. It's Tuesday, January 3rd. Happy New Year, everybody. Thrilled to be here in for Mike Broomhead. This is Matt Salmon. And, uh, wow, boy, we got a lot to talk about. One of the things that we want to talk about, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that speaker's race because it's incredibly important. One of the things that I didn't mention is that nothing else can really happen before the speaker is elected. In fact, the members of Congress cannot and will not be sworn in until the speaker is elected. And so no committees are formed, no work gets done. And so uh, basically everything's at a standstill. And... It is possible, entirely possible, that you could watch multiple votes on the floor in a very uh, embarrassing debacle that is about to unroll uh, before your very eyes. So watch, uh, watch those uh, news stations and, and listen to KTAR because we're going to give you up-to-date every minute-by-minute news on what's going on through the day. Uh, and you'll see what happens uh, with the elect for the Speaker of the House. But I'm going to shift and digress just a little bit because 
because there is uh, a guy that was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives, and his name is George Santos from New York. And uh, he has a little problem with uh, embellishment. That's what he's calling it. Some of his colleagues are calling it downright lies. Let's listen to some of the comments. So after that, lying was easy for me. Lied about my age and joined the army. I was, uh, I was 13 at the time. Yeah. I went to Vietnam, and I was injured catching a mortar shell in my teeth. And it made me a three-star general. And, and, and then I got a job in journalism, writing for the National Inquiry Geographic. Yes. I was making 20000 a month. In fact, I won the Pulitzer Prize that year. Yeah, that's a ticket. Okay, all right. I can't really back that up that that's George Santos. I don't want to lie. That was uh, a lo- beloved comedian John Levitz uh, in his rendition of the uh, pathological liar on Saturday Night Live. But I thought we'd get a big kick out of uh, walking down memory lane there with him. But this guy is uh, is no joke. In a reflection on now, Kevin McCarthy uh, has not said anything about it because he needs every single vote. So uh, there are a lot of members on both sides of the aisle that are calling for uh, an ethics investigation into George Santos. Uh, They're saying that he shouldn't be sworn in. But you know what? He is going to be sworn in. That's the rules. And uh, to take him out, uh, there is no impeachment process uh, for a member of Congress. The only way that they can be de-seated is if two-thirds of uh, the House actually votes to de-seat him. And then there would have to be a special election uh, to uh, put him back in office. Santos, one of a typically Democrat seat, he's a Republican, uh, but won a typically Democrat seat in New York and uh, embellished. That's a kind word for downright lying uh, about his uh, resume. And he's made all kinds of quotes. In fact, uh, in a, uh, parts of a biography on DeSantis's website, they disappeared last week, including boasts that his mother worked in a senior finance role in New York and was in the Twin Towers when the 2001 terrorist attacks happened. Uh, also, He's not addressed other questions, including the source of personal fortune. He appears to have amassed quickly despite financial problems, including evictions and owing thousands in back rent. In fact, he completely financed his uh, personal campaign at 750000 This seems very, very strange for a guy uh, that is only making about $50,000 a year. What are some of the things that he said? He made up claims about his resume, his education, his ties to Wall Street firms, and his charitable endeavors, all of which have been revealed as a part of the fantasy persona created as the backbone of his pitch to voters. In addition to his background, Mr. Santos misrepresented parts of his finances and filed incomplete and inaccurate congressional disclosures. He's also claimed that he's Jewish and a descendant of Holocaust survivors, Mr. Santos is Catholic. So he's had some real problems with em- embellishing. Uh, he, The Republican Jewish coalition said that the congressman-elect deceived us and misrepresented his, uh, his heritage. He also lied about graduating from Baruch College, working at Citigroup and Goldman Sachs and, uh, uh, with uh, their real estate holdings. And this is what he had to say about it. 
he uh, said uh, he told the New York Post he lied about his education and used a poor choice of words to describe his professional ties to Citigroup and Goldman Sachs, which he had no relationship with. I didn't graduate from any institution of higher learning, he said, according to the Post. I'm embarrassed and sorry for having embellished my resume. I own up to that. We do stupid things in life. Uh, But also one additional uh, interesting thing associated with, uh, with this individual. The Brazilian authorities have told the New York Times on Monday they will revive fraud charges related to a 2008 incident involving a stolen checkbook in Brazil. The case had been suspended because police were unable to locate Santos, according to the Times. Well, they're going to be able to locate him very, very easily now because uh, he is uh, actually in the uh, U.S. House of Representatives now, so they won't have to search very far. This is a guy that got elected based on lie after lie after lie. And some of us who are uh, recovering politicians are scratching our heads and saying, well, doesn't the public think that all politicians are liars? So what's the big deal? Uh, The big deal is maybe uh, uh, as we kind of had a little bit of humor with John Lovitz at the very, very beginning of this, the big deal is that the lies that he told were so voluminous that uh, uh, members are now calling on both sides of the aisle are calling for his head to be continued. The Gatos Big Q Poll Question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. All right. This is Matt Salmon again in for Mike Broomhead, but this is one of the parts of the day that I love. I really look forward to it. It's when Gatos joins and we uh, talk about the Big Q poll question of the day, and that's what we're going to talk about now. So, what is it? Hey, Matt. Uh, happy New Year, my friend. How are you? Hey, I'm better than I deserve. Better? Doesn't Dave Ramsey say, isn't that Dave Ramsey's thing, better than I deserve? When you, Hey, Dave, how you doing? Better than I deserve. Are you stealing Dave's lines? You know what? In, uh, in honor of my uh, colleague, uh, Representative Santos, I can say whatever I want, and I can take credit for it, too. Amen, brother. Amen. And how about that guy, right? Yeah. Goodness That's gracious. the ticket. Uh, you know, uh, today's cue is about the game last night and the incident oh, yeah. that took place. And everybody's talking about it. Um, the uh, Buffalo Bills-Cincinnati Bengals game was stopped in the first quarter uh, after a Bills player, DeMar uh, Hamlin, collapsed on the field. So we, my wife and I literally were, you know, we, we got some food, put it, you know, we're going to watch the game, put the game on. We knew we were a little late. And they were, they were talking in the studio, and they were very somber. And I said, they stopped the game. Oh, my gosh. Unprecedented. The game, and I said something awful must have happened, and you want to know like like what happened, and um, you know to find out that you know I I don't mean to be awful here. He literally dropped dead. Oh, and they revived and they revived him. They brought him back to life on the field because he is he when he got back up. Yeah, when he got back up and he started to fall down, he was gone. That's what happened. Right. He was dead. Right. right. And they brought him back. And, and, like, you know, you really couldn't tell that they were working on him. And you didn't really know what was going on. But when you're watching it and you're watching the faces of the Bills, you're like, yeah, that's not a broken leg. 
Uh, no, that's that's they, he didn't just pass out. Uh, they're horrified yeah. at what they're watching. Team members crying. I mean, it was it was quite the spectacle. So I'm asking, um, you know, what do you what do you think uh, of what happened last night? So a, uh, it'll be hard to watch football the same way ever again. Oh yeah. B, it, it took the NFL way too long to suspend the game. Uh, see, it was the most horrific incident I've ever seen happen during a sporting event. And then uh, D, all the above. Yeah, man. I mean, you watch a guy. You got. You watch a guy drop like that. Uh, it, it's something life. that it, it's something that's life changing. I mean, you watch something like that. It 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 is cataclysmic. It, it's something that that alters your thinking. I mean, this is a twenty four year old super athlete yeah. that had a heart attack and died on the field and was revived. I right. mean, th- this is amazing stuff. Um, I'm going to do a segment uh, a little bit later on a positive note uh, that happened because of uh, the, the what happened last night with this player um, and the charitable giving uh, that ensued after that, which is a really, really positive thing that I don't think a lot of people are going to talk about. But, but the fact is, I, I think... You know, watching football never, never really going to be the same. It was unprecedented, and it was a really sobering moment for all of us. Yeah, and I, I couldn't stop watching TV or no. refreshing uh, social media because, you know, you don't see that happen on live TV. When's the last time you saw a guy almost die on live TV? Well, I think about when I was a little boy. I remember when Jack Ruby uh, ran up and and uh, shot Lee Harvey Oswald? Oh gosh! When yeah. he was when he was being uh, brought out in handcuffs? Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was it, it, it was on par with something like that. Really was. It was. It was. It was. And to see it live is shocking. Yeah. To hear about it is is one thing, and it's awful in itself. But to watch it and to watch a guy just drop, and then to see guys who are the toughest gladiators on the planet start to cry, yeah. and you're like, "Oh my God, what happened? This is bad." And so, hopefully, he'll be okay. He's in critical condition. Yeah, I, I, okay. I think things like this uh, send a message out to all of them. I'm 24 year old that yeah. drops dead on the field and yeah. is revived. Sends out a message to us how fragile life is and how every day counts. It's also, true. and that's Amen. something we all got to think about. Absolutely. Every day counts, and you can't waste a minute. So you said it beautifully. I totally agree. All right. Okay, well, man. Thanks have a lot, Gatos. Hey, you have a great day too. too. And we are going to uh, go to the next segment after we get back, and we're going to uh, have a really, really interesting one for you. And after talking about this player that dropped dead on the field and was revived, we're going to be talking about the Fountain of Youth.